Good morning. Welcome to sunrise. I hope uh, the extra hour gave you a little extra time to brush the ice off your windshield this morning. Uh, we're going to start out the morning uh, with some singing and entering into a time of worship. So why don't you stand with us? Yeah. 
I'll search the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise Treasures that fade Never enough And you came along Put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than you Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you I'm not afraid To show you my weakness My failures and flaws You've seen them all still call me friend God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place mercy and grace will find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than. Nothing is better than 
to God in. You turn both into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You turn grace into God in. You turn roads into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the
I'm standing on your faithfulness On your faithfulness You heard your children then You hear your children now you are the same God, you are the same God, you answered prayers back then, and you will answer now, you are the same God, you are the same God, you were providing then, you are providing now, you are the same God. You are the same God You moved in power then God moved in power now You are the same God You are the same God You are a healer then You are a healer now You are the same God You are the same
God, you are so good. Uh, and we thank you for your presence uh, and the, the peace and the comfort that you give us in the face of adversity, in the face of hardship, all without us ever deserving it. Uh, we ask that you bless our time here today, uh, bless the rest of our weekend, and as we go into the coming week, um, that we would know and feel your presence. All this we pray in God's name. Amen. Good morning, Sunrise. How are we doing today? It's good to see you all. Who has already started playing Christmas music? Anyone? Who's already decorated for Christmas is actually the question. Who's like, I don't, raise your hand if you don't decorate or play Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Wow. Okay. All right. Lots of South Pole elves in here today, okay? If you get my movie reference. Anyways, I'm messing. It's good to see you all. Hey, we have just a few quick announcements. The first one is Pub Theology is this Tuesday at the Matices house at 6.30 p.m. Everyone say 6.30 6.30 p.m. Love it. Beautiful. Yes? It's not at his house. Hold on, everyone. Everyone say hi, Noah. Hi. Noah, could you please tell us where Pub Theology is this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m.? It'll be at Two Guys Brewing. At Two Guys Brewing in? Are you asking for the city? Yeah. <laughs> Wyoming. Wyoming. All right, beautiful. <laughs> Love it. So it is now officially at Two Guys Brewing in Wyoming. I was today years old when I learned that Two Guys Brewing was in Wyoming. All right. Thank you, Noah. Also, our chili cook-off and bake-off is next Saturday. Everyone say next. Next. Saturday. Love it. If you have not already signed up to participate, you do. And you, if you don't want to bring a dish, just come and enjoy them. It'll be good. It'll be delicious, right? This is a fundraiser for our Benevolence Fund, so bring some cash to get in. It's about $5, and that's how you get to vote, right? So if you want your vote to matter, bring in $5. Otherwise, you just enjoy delectable goodies, okay? Love it. And if you would like to buy more votes, my understanding is we can do that. You can buy more votes. This isn't, yeah, this is church, buddy. This is church? Okay. All right. We're just going to forget everything I just said. All right? Love it. Okay. Yes. You can add money as a donation in addition for additional votes. Okay. So, so this is how it works. So, you can't buy more votes, right? But you can donate, and as a gift from us to you, you get to vote more, okay? That's how that works. I love that. Anyways, there will be chili. There will be baked goods. It will be wonderful. Also, our Thanksgiving food drive is happening right now. You can pick up a list in the lobby and grab some things. There's a bunch of already awesome stuff out there. So thank you to those of you who have already donated. We are incredibly thankful. Um, at this time, we also want to remind you of um, the importance of just giving, right? One of our core values here is being thankful. And so we just want to practice that thankfulness to the Lord. 
and giving back to him what he has given to us. Because the reality is this, everything we have is his, right? And he's entrusted it to us. So you can give online, you can give by envelope or cash in that box back there. You can mail in a check, there's multiple ways, or through the app. So at this time, I'm going to have everyone stand to greet those around you. Children, you are dismissed. If you'd like to grab a cup of coffee or something, grab a cup of coffee, and we'll see you in a few minutes. If we could make our way back to our seats, please. Make our way back to our seats. All right. Good morning on this day uh, where we where we get one extra hour of sleep. But if you're like us in my house, um, your wife just made you stay up a little bit later. <laughs> because she said, you get an extra hour of sleep. Which is what, which is what we did last night. So um, thankful uh, for the, the sun uh, coming up a little bit earlier. Not quite as thankful that here in about three weeks it'll be getting dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. That's all right. So today we're going to be starting a new series, and this is going to take us all the way through Christmas, the Advent season, and through the end of the year. And we're going to be um, talking about, the series title is very simply The Gospel Truth. Um, and, and the purpose of this is to sort of show an outline, um, well, that the gospel precedes the law. Now, now when, I, when I say the word gospel, I, what, 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 do you, what do you think about what, what comes to your mind? For most of us, right, when I say the word gospel, you think of two words, right? And the first word starts with a G, and the second word starts with an N, and that is? Yes, yes. Good news. The gospel is good news, or, or at least it's supposed to be. But, but for many of us, the gospel as it was presented and taught to us um, came from sort of this perspective. It's like, well, you can't have the good news, Dennis until you have the bad news. And so for me, I grew up in a situation, in a context where the gospel might have been good news, but it started with the bad news. So I was, I grew up in a, in a context, in a very evangelical context, where when someone wanted to come to know Christ, it was, well, the gospel was presented according to the ABCs of, of salvation. Now, some of you may have, may have heard of the ABCs of, of, of salvation, but it's, it really goes like this, is that first thing you need to do to be saved is you have to admit that you're a sinner. The second thing is you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, believe that he rose from the dead and conquered sin, death, and the grave. And the third thing was confess your sins based upon your belief in Jesus' finished work of salvation. For others of us, and, and, and I, I know this was, and where is, is, Amy, are you here? Oh, yeah, there you go. Like, you, you guys did the Romans Road, right? In your church? Right? So the Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? You start with this fact that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Yes! <laughs> That's me. Dirty, rotten sinner. Right? And then Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ooh, there's a little bit of good news there. Right? Uh, and then you finish it up with Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is where the vast majority of us evangelical kids, right, got this idea that when everyone would ask us, well, Dennis, how are you saved? You simply say that you ask Jesus into your heart. Yes, you do. 
And folks, here's the thing. There's a lot of really good and even necessary information here, but, but for sure, there's, well, there's some stumbling blocks, right? There's some things that, that for me anyway, that I wasn't necessarily taught, but I caught, that, that caused me to think of the gospel in a way that was slightly off kilter. Now, 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 again, don't get me wrong. This was the very method, this ABC, this Romans Road, this was the very method that Jack Clendenin used when he led me to Christ when I was a 16-year-old boy, Right? That I, that I confessed and, and admitted that I was a sinner, that I believed that Jesus was who he said he was, and that I trusted him and him alone for salvation. And, and, and to be doubly sure, Jesus met me in that place, right? As a six-year-old boy whose theology was terrible and um, whose obedience to even what he knew was right and wrong sometimes was terrible. But the inadequacy seems clear to me these days. Is that the good news that I sort of caught growing up started in chapter 3 of Genesis rather than chapter 1. And, and, and in so doing, it started with the second movement of the grand narrative. It started with the fact that we are broken and desperately in need of salvation. Which is true. But for many of us, especially those of us who, who grew up in more evangelical context, right? So, 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 you know, the Baptist kids or the Wesleyan holiness kids or the Pentecostal or charismatic kids or the non-denominational Bible church kids. Who, by the way, that last group, like the Bible church kids, they're like, we don't belong to a denomination. We just believe the Bible. <laughs> they're the most smug and superior. Now, again, folks, maybe it was just me, but, but I kind of got this impression as I was being raised in this context that Jesus was plan B. Right? Because when it started and it pointed, it put, it, put its finger in, in the eye of my sinfulness. All of that was true. And, I, and you wrestle and you struggle with the fact that, okay, here's the thing, right? We all know who we are behind our eyes. And, and, and there is a real sense, I think that all of us feel like, boy, if everybody, if, 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 if you really knew who I am sometimes, behind my eyes, boy, you wouldn't want me up here preaching to you. But when we, we come face to face with our, with our sin, no matter our upbringing, right, what, what, what comes to the forefront is that we can't white, white knuckle our way into salvation. See, we know who we are if we're honest. Now, again, before those of you that grew up in a more confessional or reform setting, right, before you get too smug and superior um, and start feeling like, man, I'm so glad that I'm a child of the covenant. Well, did a little bit of digging today, or did a little bit of digging this week, and I, and I took a look at the, uh, at the Heidelberg Catechism, Noah. The he right? Okay, yeah. All the reform kids, they're like, yeah, that's right. Preach. Right? <laughs> We baptize those babies. We have them profess their faith. They are children of the covenant. That's what we do. Right? Well, what's funny is in the Heidelberg Catechism is that the second movement is the movement of deliverance. Praise the Lord. Right? We're rescued. The third movement is the movement of gratitude. Oh, so thankful. But the first movement is the movement of Noah. Misery. Misery. <laughs> right? 
Now, so, okay, I know some of you are probably thinking, then let's go ahead and preach already. You're just nitpicking, <laughs> which is a little bit true. And, and the reality is, is that human language is always going to, to fall short. And, and folks, I, I am so thankful that, that God, oh, wait, I had a slide. Misery. Um, <laughs> That God does meet us no matter where we are, right? That God's grace is bigger. He, that he takes our, right, our meager gifts and he accepts our halting words and our, our cloudy or incomplete thinking. He receives our doubt-laced confession. He does all of that. He meets us and he meets us in our human condition and our fallenness. And, and the purpose of today's message for sure is not to have anybody doubt their salvation or second-guess their confession of faith. It's not that at all. It's simply to say that I think maybe, just maybe, that for many of us, me, maybe many of us in this room, the good news is even better than we've been led to believe that it is. That it's even better than we've hoped that it is. Because it's not some sort of plan B. It was God's plan all along that, that as the people of God, we have existed in a dispensation of grace from the very beginning. That when we trace our salvation journey back to its origin, it doesn't start with me or you. It doesn't start with our sins and our shortcomings and our failures. It doesn't even start with our need. It starts with a God who loves unconditionally his creation. It starts with a God whose very character is loving kindness. It starts with a God who from the very beginning and all through the story of redemptive history has demonstrated that his grace pursues us. So the first message that we, we preach out of this particular series is going to, to come from Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And we're actually going to hang out for the next several weeks in Deuteronomy's... Um, well, those of you that, right, the, the Bible students, those of us that were raised like reading and memorizing our Bible, right, we're going to look at the Ten Commandments. And in so doing, what I hope to show is, my friends, is that the gospel doesn't follow the law, it precedes it. It came first. That the good news didn't start with a guy named Jesus wandering around first century Palestine. That was simply the good news that put on skin and walked among us, perfectly demonstrating and perfectly showing who Adam should have been, the second person of the Trinity. But that God has been good and pursuing all along. Moses. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them. 
and be sure to follow them. Deuteronomy 6, beginning at this first, first verse, we see that Moses has summoned all of Israel. And now at this point, I think it's important, and actually over the next couple of weeks, Noah and I are going to set up the, the context here. And, and, and there's, there's a story that's developing here, but as the story is being told through Deuteronomy and even through Exodus, something that we might not be aware of is that um, it's being written sort of bouncing back and forth. And what's taking place here in chapter 5 actually takes place after the events of Deuteronomy like 9 and 10 and 11. So, so we're, we're getting the end before we jump into the middle part of the story. And so there's been a lot of water under the bridge or <laughs> dare I say a lot of Israelites through the water <laughs> before this period of time comes. That was really funny. Thank you for those of you that gave me the pity chuckle. Um, Israel has already been led out of Egypt. The Egyptian pantheon, all the gods of Egypt through uh, the, the plagues or the strikes against, Is, uh, against uh, Egypt have been defeated. Uh, the slaughtering of the Hebrew babies has been vindicated. The Egyptian army has been defeated. The sea has been parted. The mountain has been encased in fire and smoke. Moses has spent 40 days on the mountain. The first tablets have been destroyed because the golden calf has already been made and subsequently destroyed before we get this flashback to what's taking place, how God has delivered these decrees through Moses to the people. Moses summoned all of Israel and said, here, Israel, the decrees, literally the regulations, right? The statutes that are laid out and the laws. Um, and not just, again, not just like a re rehashing of the statutes and the regulations, but, but, but the laws, the, the active things by which you adjudicate, the measurement by which you say this is right and this is wrong, and declared in your hearing today, learn, Moses says to the people, quite literally the Hebrew here probably could be translated, be trained in these things, right? Don't just read them. Don't just take them for granted, but sit under their teaching. Be trained in them. Know them inside and out. And be sure to follow them. Again, literally, keep and do them. And this is what's about to follow. It simply says image. There is no image there. Um, imagine in your mind's eye... <laughs> tablets of the Old Testament. This is why I'm an old, untechie man, you guys. Right? So all of those things that were laid out, right? The, the commands, right? To have no other gods before me. To not make a graven image. To, to not take the Lord's name in vain. And on and on it goes. All of those things come out of, these are the statutes, these are the things that Moses is telling the children, hold to these things. But there's more. There's more introductory commentary that I think is important for us to understand. Because so often we run to the rules and the regulations and it's about crossing I's and dotting T's and, and, and checking off and doing the right things. But God has more to say to the people. The people, remember, that have just been guilty of idolatry, of doing the very thing that he told them not to do. That's already happened in the story. Number two, verse number two, the Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Now, Horeb is, is another name for Mount Sinai, right? And this is super important, is that, is that Moses is calling them back to the place that God 
has made a promise to us. Now, why is this important? I, th- I think it's important for us to understand is that God made all kinds of promises at Mount Sinai, didn't he? Right? Mount Sinai was the place where he had called Moses. Mount Sinai was the place where he had met the people. But, but, but again, years before this had taken place, Moses had been called and he was out following around the sheep and he had this encounter with the burning bush and God called him to go and to be the emancipator of the people and he, he met Moses in that place. And I think that for a great deal of the Israelites at this point, right, they saw Moses as the great uh, emancipator but they didn't understand that God wanted to do for them everything that he had actually done for Moses. That he wanted to speak with them face to face as he had done with them. This encounter of God making this covenant comes, uh, Exodus 19 is a a clear indication. Um, And in verse 4 of chapter 19, um, it says this, You yourselves, speaking to the people, have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if there's a condition to the covenant that God is about to give and the proclamation he's about to proclaim, if you obey me fully and keep my covenants, right, this human cooperation, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine... Everything. Who knew that Moses was Kyperian? I expected more of a reaction for that. Abraham Kuyper, anybody? Any of my reform folks? All right, okay, I got a couple of nods. Move on then. He was a, he was a Dutch theologian. If you have Dutch heritage and you don't know who Abraham Kuyper is, shame on you. <laughs> I tease, I kid. All right. The whole earth is mine. It's rooted in God. And you will be for me, get this, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. All right, let's go back just a second to this phrase that that we saw in verse 1. Learn them, be trained in them, right? And do and keep them. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God isn't just calling a people with a priestly class to do something. He is telling us in this instance after the exodus that he is calling a people who will be his priests to the world. These are the words. God says you are to speak to the Israelites. This is the covenant that he has made them, made with them. And it's not just with their leaders. It's not just a covenant that he made with their first parents, Adam and Eve. It's not just a covenant that he made with Noah after the flood. It's not just a covenant that he made with Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or Moses. Right? It's a covenant that he makes with the entire people. It's a calling to be a kingdom, a people who are to be priests to the world. And what does a priest do? priest is an intermediary. A priest is the one who brings sacrifices before a holy God on behalf of an unholy people. A priest is a person who pleads for those who are other. He continues, and, and it was not just with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive Today. You see, this event at, at, at Sinai, you, 
you guys shows or speaks of a visible appearance of God to humans and not just his visible appearance in the burning bush but his visible appearance is calling them back to remember what happened when you stood around this mountain and the presence of God descended. He was calling them to, to remember and to understand. Maybe, maybe calling them to, to a face-to-face -face reality that this space that they stood in, where they were at Horeb, where they were standing around Mount Sinai, was functioning much the same as the temple and the tabernacle. It was a physical place where the I am that I am directly came and spoke to his people. It's a place where the people met God place where they were reminded of his, their rescue from Egypt. It's a place where his presence was manifested, seen, felt, and experienced. It's a place where God made promises to them just like he did to their fathers and their ancestors. It's a place where they encountered the good news that God was coming, running. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At the time I stood between you and the Lord and you declared, uh, and you declared to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not come up the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And my friends, there it is. When when we speak to our, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, specifically to, to rabbis who teach this passage of Scripture, they don't teach the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, apart specifically from this introduction, but specifically from verse 6. To them, verse 6 is just as important as any of the commands that follow. Why? Because all of the things that God is asking or demanding of the people are predicated on the fact that he was faithful first. They have seen who he is. They have encountered him. He has led them through the fire. He has shown that he is not just a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. And he is the Lord, their God, who has brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He is the I am that I am, the yod Hey vav Hey. The name, the one that Moses has encountered, has made good. They were in great need and God showed up and he fulfilled what he had told Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 15. What had happened had actually happened. He had told them, you're going to spend hundreds of years in slavery, but don't worry, I'm coming. And generation after generation after generation, people probably wondered, Lord, how long? He was the fulfillment in this moment. God showed himself faithful to fulfill the hope that Jacob had had when he told his sons. Right? Remember, Joseph is taken down to Egypt and what God, uh, what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And Jacob told his sons as they went down to, to Egypt in order to, to avoid the, the famine, he told them, listen, don't bury my bones in Egypt. Keep them with you and take them back when God shows up. And hundreds of years have passed, but now 
Jacob's hope is being realized. After the pharaohs, the, 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 the political and religious leaders in, in, in Egypt had, had forgotten Joseph. God had not forgotten the promise that he had made to his people. He had not forgotten why he had, had led Joseph down there in the first place. Moses' destiny had been realized through this emancipation of the children of Israel. The one man on the planet during this day that could speak to Pharaoh on behalf of of God's people and the God that they worshipped. The only Hebrew who knew well enough the ins and the outs of the royal and the religious Egyptian life. Why? Because in a very sense he was raised as one of them. He was an insider but was also an outsider. The on the run murderer who spent four decades chasing sheep around the wilderness. The old man who at 80 who was finally ready to start his life's work. Can I say something to the gray hairs just for a minute? God's not done till he's done. It's a struggle. I know I've, 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 I've felt it to a degree. I've, I've watched it in other folks as we come to the place to where we can't do physically or mentally or emotionally what we used to do. I, I, I've seen people that have had big and important jobs struggle in retirement. Why? Because they can't figure out how to be who they are without holding the title that they have held for so long. But the reality is that Moses, I, I think, gives us this, this reminder that God isn't done even when we think we're all washed up. That even when we think that we've done too many terrible things, that when we're a convict on the lamb, God still has work for us to do. And it was this old man that God met in the desert and he told him face to face who he was. And he told him that Moses wasn't done yet. My friends, can I just remind us that you are not your job and you are not your titles and you are not anything, of, right? you're not your, your, your ministry, you're not your education, you're not any of those things. You are representatives, incarnations if you will, of the God that we serve. And he's not done until he says that he's done. The story here that we see leading into these Ten Commandments, my friends, is a linchpin for the gospel story. It reaches forward and, and it explains all these things that are in the Levitical law, that are in the prophets, that are in the writings, and even in the New Testament literature. This is the Bible. This is the, this is the religious context that Jesus himself comes from. Additionally, the Exodus story reaches back and, and, and it's rooted in the foundations of our faith history all the way back to, to the creation narrative and God's covenant or promises with Abraham, this rescue of, of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery is huge because it illustrates what we see over and over in God's story is that he moves first, that when we are far off and in need, we are not forgotten and we are never hopeless because of who he is. Even before, even before 
we become thoroughly trained in the law. He comes looking for us. Aren't you glad that your theology doesn't have to be perfect before God comes to you, right? This, this idea of, you know, you, you learn and follow, right? To follow and to do. But the reality is, folks, is that before I knew anything, God came running for that six-year-old boy. That before we have an opportunity to keep and to do anything, God comes running to us. That's the message of the gospel. Before any of these things, God was on the move. And like he did for Adam and Eve, my friends, he comes looking for us when we succumb to sin in the garden that he's placed us. As he did for Cain, he comes seeking us in the field where the blood of our brother cries out against us. We, like Noah, have found grace in the eyes of the Lord, not because we're anything special, but because of who he is. He meets us like he met Abraham in the far off land and shows us where home is. Have you ever thought that as you're wandering around in the wilderness, as you're going to a place where you don't know what the Lord is up to, as you're navigating struggles and pains in your life, have you ever thought that maybe God has you by the hand and he's leading you home, you just don't know where home is yet? You see, when we feel like we're too old or too broken or carry too much baggage, when, when we speak too slowly or feel too alone, Maybe after a lifetime of toil with very little results, we need to remember that it's often in those places, just like Moses, that God comes looking for us because he knows that it's in our weakness that his strength can be most powerfully demonstrated. That when we're being crushed under the boot of oppression, God is still Lord and King over the gods of the age. That despite my circumstances or your circumstances, He, the I am that I, I that I am, is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so, and so the call. The call here as much as anything to each and every one of us is to trust and to follow. So, so when he asked me, when he asked Dennis in this place and in this space to trust him even when I don't understand what he's up to, I can know that he's worthy of my trust because he has proven himself trustworthy again and again and again and again. And my friends, even if I don't see it in my lifetime, it doesn't mean he's still not at work. When he asked me to follow him, even when I don't know where he's headed, I can have confidence that he's leading me to the place where I need to be. Do we have any other like, like militant planners in here? Anybody else that's like, you know, and if I do this, 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 then this will result. Do we have anybody else that is, is afraid of the unknown that doesn't like, I know, I pretend to be this guy that goes through life with his hair on fire? I am not. I like to know where I'm headed and what's going on. The strange, th the strange thing is, though, it doesn't work that way in this life, does it? 
You see, even when I don't know where I'm headed, I can have confidence that God is leading me to the place he needs me to be, even if it's uncomfortable, and even if I don't like it, and even if it's painful, and even if it doesn't meet my standards for comfort or influence. You see, when he asked me to endure for just a little while longer, even when my strength is all but gone, I know that I can, not because I'm capable, but because he's with me. He's with me. And he's with you. I know that when I collapse under the weight and the pressure of life, I know that when I can't take another step, when I'm paralyzed by exhaustion or fear or anxiety or confusion, I know that he will carry me because what I need is what I have, his presence and his care all along. Because all this Everything, me and my hopes and my dreams, the world that we live in, it's, it's not mine, it's his. That there is, right, Moses and Abraham Kuyper were right, there is not one square inch of all creation, including me and including, including you, that the Lord Almighty does not declare mine. As the worship team comes, I want you, I want you to remember this as we, we begin to close and we sing and we, we, we reflect and, and, and get ready for what the Lord may be trying to teach us over the next several weeks. But, but my friends, we, we need to remember that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what is going on, I, I think that this prelude to the, to the Decalogue tells us that this is his world, that all of the gods of this age and this world, they bow down to the one true God, that I am his child, and that even when I can't see him or I don't feel him, even when I feel like my prayers aren't getting above the ceiling, that he loves me and he cares for me. I think that maybe for some of us we need to remember that he's been good and his message has been good news from the very beginning. That our story doesn't start with two sinful humans hiding their nakedness in a garden. It starts with a God perfectly existing in unified community, the Holy Trinity, who personally and who lovingly speaks into creation all that exists. And through the beautiful, the beautiful layout of the creation narrative, he he puts the, speaks the stuff into existence and then he orders and refines it to accomplish its purposes. Praise God, my friends, that the story doesn't start with my sin 
and its conclusion doesn't depend on my effort. It starts and it ends with a loving and a holy and a just creator God who comes to his people who comes to you and who comes to me in times of great need and even when things don't work out the way we want them to work out even when the rescue doesn't happen the way we want it to happen we can be carried through because he is there with us the gospel my friends doesn't start in chapter 3 and it doesn't come along two-thirds of the way through God's redemptive story it's there at the very beginning because he is there it starts with him and his love and his grace are two things that are exponentially more powerful than anything I could do or you could do or any of us can imagine and that is really really good news so father we pray in this in this moment that you would continue to meet us in this space and you would continue to show us your love we thank you father lord we thank you that before we even knew what to ask or to think or to say before we were even a gleam in our parents eye Lord Jesus that you had fulfilled and accomplished what was started at the very beginning that you rescued us and so God our hope is that we would recognize who you are not petty and cruel not distant and disinterested but a loving personal engaged just and delighting father who has come to us that you through the finished work on the cross have made a way and have rescued us from our Egypt. May we live into that reality in the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of our sovereign Lord, we pray. Amen.
shall be satisfied and earth and If I can give a paraphrase for the benediction of Moses' word to the Lord, that the, the word that the Lord gave to Moses for the people in Exodus chapter 19, at the end, God says to the people through Moses, this is the message you must give to the people. Allow me humbly to play the role of the mouthpiece and you receive this as from the Lord. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, if you will follow Jesus and walk in his footsteps, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth, declares the Lord, belongs to me. But you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. So God, we pray for these dear friends as we go from this place that we would accept this identity through the finished work of Christ who has come and embodied and completed the gospel that started at the very beginning. That we would walk in your ways. That we would be emissaries of your promises. That we would represent those around us well as intermediaries Lord, as, as those who follow the way of Jesus, pointing them to you as a kingdom of priests forever. In the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said, go in his peace, friends.